Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and joining me in the junk pile today is Murray. Oh, hello. And once again, on loan from the Secret Origins of Mint Condition, uh, one of the co-hosts, Chris. Hi there. And today we are going to be discussing episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I guess the show doesn't have episode titles. No, no, I noticed no, that. It yeah, it's just part one, two, and three. And yeah, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Cool. I love me. Yeah. A, I love me a good episode title. No, no I think there's some really good ones out there and they've, mm. they've done good work before. But like this is really feeling like a, a movie to bridge the gap. And that's why I got the impression that they were using just part one, part two, part three, because it feels like this is, yeah. you know, a whole movie here. No, it absolutely does. And I think you're exactly right. I think in a lot of ways, like I said this last time, but I really do think that this is really kind of like episode three and a half. (laughs) I can't help but think Mm -hmm. that if Star Wars, you know, episode four wasn't the first uh, movie in the saga, like I can't help but think if it were happening chronologically that that we would get some of this at least a little in that fourth movie uh but i digress even you know right off the top um (laughs) (laughs) no i know Um, i really well i'll get to it later because i'm i'm already like revving and ready to go okay well (laughs) so let's start right there uh chris overall reactions to this episode so overall reactions i really i liked it made me so uncomfortable this episode made me really uncomfortable y'all um (laughs) there were just these these elements of uh, Freck being such a fun and friendly design until he mm-hmm. says it's nice to meet with some like-minded folk. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really familiar, especially I'm, I'm <laughs> in the Midwest. So especially in my part of the country, <laughs> uh, that is particularly familiar over the past like five or six years that I've, that I've lived here of the, of the last 10. Um, so that was, that was made me uncomfortable. Obi-Wan, when he says, uh, you know, he says, I, I, a brother, I remember a brother, but I, uh, you know, that makes me sad sometimes. But then I found a new family and I was like, Ooh, but did you though? Like that, that really, that really made me uncomfortable. Um, so there were all these parts of the episode that, and when Leia says, you know, are you, are you my father? Mm, it's brutal, like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, how long was she sitting with that? Right. Yeah. Like how long was she looking at him going, do I ask the question? So like the episode made me really uncomfortable overall. I really liked it until the very end at which point uh it kind of turned for me and it can be one of two things either there is a plot afoot in which case we're good or there isn't and i find it very very lazy writing so so overall i enjoyed it but josh you were talking about this being um um oh gosh you were talking about how this could be that that be its own movie right three and a half and (laughs) i would be perfectly you know, when, when my son, Eli, when I'm, when he's older and I can introduce him to the, the, the movies and not just the concepts like the droids, um, and the lightsabers, I would totally start him with Obi. I really want to start him with Obi-Wan Kenobi because even though that kind of ruins the Luke and Leia storyline, man, what a great introduction to Darth Vader. And oh, yeah. I don't think it undercuts a new hope at all, but I got to tell you, when Obi-Wan is meditating and trying to talk to Qui-Gon and he just says he's coming master. The fear in his voice, oh, oh, it made, it sent chills down my spine. Yeah. He sounded really afraid. And it was really in line with the universal monster Vader that feel that we got from Rope. So big feelings about this episode, but that's in a very large nutshell. Uh, Murray, overall thoughts? I loved every second of it and i thought like okay well this is just going to be the hype of watching it and then i watched it again before this i was like no but i fucking just love every aspect of it like i think the 
there's so many things that I love about it. Like I love, and this is not a, the, a, a dig because I think it's enhanced with makeup, but I just love how old Obi-Wan looks like, yeah. because it's not like old, like he's an old man. It's old, like almost like before and after pictures of like most presidents or, you know, like where it's just like everything that they feel and endure and can't act upon. And they have to do like, it's just all written like in their face. Like if you look at like Lincoln, like, and then Lincoln after, uh, like I get well not after he's president, but <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like uh before he <laughs> Yeah, that was the, that was an interesting choice, Murray, but I'm Yeah, with before you. <laughs> before he went to the theater. Um, but like it's just like you could just see like how much he aged in such a, a small amount of time. But so I like that I like that um Obi-Wan is he's like so focused on trying to get to talk to Qui-Gon that he's like kind of standing in his own way but not realizing it like they show shots of him as he's meditating he's like fidgeting with his hands and he's just like trying it's like clearly his mind is racing and that's not that's like he's just standing in his own way because he's trying so hard and so i love that i think like leia this girl is just crushing it she's just so good um and and the the end like I, especially I think talking with, with the whole crew from the trash compactor is just like kind of opened me, my eyes to how little I actually do care about Canon. Like personally, like, because unless it's like completely, like completely undoing, we're like shitting on it. it. I don't, I don't care as long as it's, it's good. I think that's Josh. You said that once, like, as long as it's good, like. That's all yeah. I really care about. Yeah. And so like the fact that there, yeah, there's a line in a new hope that makes it seem like the last time they met was back. What? Well, okay. This is going to, I can't go on a tangent yet, but it's like, but anyway, they put so much weight to that line where he's like, Oh, but I was, but the learner. And so they're like, Oh, people are like up in arms about this. But it's like, I don't care. Like, I don't all, all that really matters from that original interaction from a new hope is that it's been a long time and we see Luke is a little kid here. So yeah, it's still going to be a long time if they only meet over the next few like days, the lightsaber glow. I absolutely love the fact that Obi-Wan who like, you know, is known for thinking that blasters are uncivilized, like knows that he hasn't touched a lightsaber in 10 years. And so he no, and you really get that use... impression as well. Like he he looks very uncomfortable with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know, you know how to like hold it. And the fact that like we're getting back to Vader, just one arm like and he's knocking Anakin around with the one arm, not even like using the force. Like there's a cool moment with when he force pushes, which is like in an earlier battle that they had in revenge of the sith like obi-wan was able to like counteract that and but now he's just yeah. getting pushed around the light of the the glow of the lightsaber just i don't know everything about it i absolutely loved um i'm interested to hear what chris says about the lazy writing i'm sure i'll agree um but it's just uh i don't know everything about this was i was just like this is what i love and just i don't know I, there's something about the glow of the lightsaber where he was he was so dark and so like I thought alone. of you. I thought yeah. of you because uh, we just released a few weeks ago the Empire Strikes Back episode that that mm -hmm. uh, long conversation with you, me, and John, where one of the things that you said was 
the one thing, the only thing that you could think of that could possibly improve the movie is if yes. they had the glow <laughs> from the lightsabers on their faces, right? <laughs> yep. Um, so I thought of you. <laughs> but actually, I was getting vibes from this fight similar to the Empire Strikes Back duel between Vader and Luke, the way that I very much get the impression that Vader's holding back a little bit. He's he's kind of he's toying with Obi-Wan. Yeah, a little he he's not to... he's not going full force he wants to drag this out because like he said he wants him uh to feel the pain he says mm -hmm. your pain has just begun yeah yep he wants to like torture him that's like the whole thing so i definitely get like if you guys have cats like if they ever see like a mouse they don't always just go for the kill they will like toy with it like it's you know they don't you if you get to them in time you could actually save the mouse and you'll find that it has no uh bite marks no claw marks because it's just like playing with it before it like goes for the kill and i think vader's a lot more sinister than that but um i i feel like the same principle i think i think like it's it's one of those things where i feel like i can say yes i can appreciate that possibility i can appreciate the possibility too that this is a trap after all he's the one who decided to to put the tracer on the falcon and it's mall if Tar mm. it's tarkin who says this better work vader um so the, you oh, know that's, that's, Vader, that's, point, yeah. that's vader's idea so like so if there is a plan in place i'm good with it but the cat and mouse thing the the one of the reasons i have difficulty with it is because this is pre new hope this is pre rogue one this is i would i would argue an angrier crueler vader than we've seen i mean he's pulling town random townsfolks out of their home mm -hmm. and choking them but then breaking their necks like yeah. he's not just tossing them around right he's murdering them while staring at where he knows obi-wan is hiding um, so there's a cruelty there and he's absolutely trying to make Obi-Wan hurt, but in just in, just in the way that Rogue One, he absolutely does not want those plans to escape. And in a new hope, the way he like rages and he says, tear the ship apart, you know, uh, bring them back to me live. Like he, he just, he's so, so angry. It's hard for me to, to really buy the notion of he's going to be patient about this because I think if he, it just, for me, um, Yes, he wants this to last. Yes, he wants the torture to be ongoing. But he also, I really don't think he wants to lose Obi-Wan, which is why he brings all the Inquisitors and comes oh, true, with yeah. Stormtroopers like he shows up. So for me, also, the, the reason I think it, one of the reasons I think it bothered me was because a lot of the fight from start to finish, there were moments that bothered me. So for example, Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber out of instinct after spending so long resisting the temptation to do so. It felt like a bit of a missed moment. The fact that when he first sees Vader, Vader ignites his lightsaber, Obi-Wan thinks about it, then doesn't do it, and then he does it out of instinct. It just felt like a missed moment to me. That's interesting. Like it like and again, doesn't ruin it for me. Like I'm very much like a no, overall I liked it. But for me, it was also sort of an easy fix in this notion of like she she blows things up, okay? If if he she had accidentally partially ignited vader the notion of him being so enraged that he turns on her like frankenstein's monster in like his fear and his pain and his anger and loses ben in the process thus enraging him further fuck i'm down for that mm. like like to me it just it felt like they were right on the verge of a thing that made more sense than the choice they made i don't there are times where i want to be able to fill in the gap and i'm like sure i didn't need you to spell this out for me i can put it together on my own this was one of those moments where I don't want to have to make excuses for why Vader let Obi-Wan get away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 
um, mm-hmm. especially because it was it was built in. I don't know how important that that woman is moving forward. Um, but man, if he rages and just goes like rampaging after her and then loses them both, like, oh, that's going to set up some serious, serious rage that he's going to take out on others. So it was just little moments like that. I think that, that overall, uh, bugged me. And then as for the, I was about the learner. Now I am the master. Mm-hmm. I think they can still, anybody who's complaining about that quote and it being invalidated, I think is wrong. There's still plenty of time yeah, yeah. for Vader to be shown as the learner in this series. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm less worried about that, but that's no, how I felt like, about it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. For, for no, me, that makes total sense. For me, like there is a sense of like dramatic irony, right? Where we know that no matter what, Obi-Wan and Leia are going to be okay. We know right, that. We right. know that Vader's not going to die. Like, but we're still on edge, which is crazy. Like that, the whole scene in the back of the truck, we'll get to that. But like that, oh my I was, gosh, like, I on edge. Yeah. so hard. So uh, yeah. Um, but like, you know what? If, if they want to like play around with all the gray area that's in between like now and Alec Guinness, like, tr- like, can Vader cut off like Obi-Wan's leg? And then we don't well, know, like, you know, so, yeah, like- <laughs> so, you mentioned, so you mentioned something really interesting that, that, um, so when he, when Vader pulls him into the fire mm-hmm. and he was in there for, for a good, I don't know, like yeah, he was, he was in there for a it's minute. It's going to feel like there. an eternity regardless yeah, so, of how, how short so he was, was. He was a, he was um, flame kissed. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so, and then we see him for a second. We see his arm. Like, I think he's 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 pretty injured. And then it yeah. occurred to me that you know when we see Alec Innes in Star Wars, he's completely covered in his robes. Mm-hmm. Like, who's to say that he wasn't horribly injured? Yeah. And that was the first moment where I got kind of scared in a way that I wasn't uh, mm-hmm. before because you know, like you said, Murray. Like, we all know he survives this. Like, he's not mm-hmm. going to die. But it had never occurred to me until that moment that, well, sure, he doesn't die, but he could get maimed. He could get like yeah. really messed up. Yeah, Vader yeah, could really could lose hurt him. Hands and limbs and stuff. Because yeah. what Luke's hand turns into like a regular flesh hand. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, yeah anything could happen. And so that so, is a bit nerve wracking. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I hadn't really thought about it that much. But yeah, like the idea that vader would want to make obi-wan suffer the way he suffered his goal is not to find him to kill him when i was re-watching it the camera lingers on vader through the fire and even yes. there's a shot from behind vader where he's very still and he's just sort of staring at the fire a part of me wonders if he doesn't really know exactly what he wants to do with obi-wan or now that he finally has him in front of him, maybe he's not feeling the way that he thought he would feel. Because obviously, like, it was very clear to me, or seemed very clear to me, when the fire reignites and um, the loader droid is dragging Obi-Wan away, you know, it seemed like that was the kind of thing, like, you know, Vader could walk through that fire, he could probably, See, what I w- he could probably he extinguish both. that fire. Through yeah. the fire. And then another... Uh, part of me was like, you know, maybe he's even afraid of fire because that's of what, what I was him. thinking. Well, so but then I realized where he so, lives now. Exactly, yeah. exactly. He lives <laughs> right. yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, but I think because of how long the camera lingers on him, quiet, just kind of standing there, I have mm. a feeling there's something going on in there that that uh, we're going to learn about because otherwise, yeah. Well, I think one, no. I think you're. I think you're a hundred percent right. And if they do that in episode four like disregard the th- the the complaints that I have 100% because yeah. like I said in my mind this is very much a movie and so when it's all out I'd be watching it in succession going well why did he let him go and mm-hmm. I'm soon to find out so if there's a like if there's in my mind a solid reason for it great 
If there isn't, it'll just be something that bugs me about it. I don't think it invalidates yeah, the story or anything. It's tricky because it. it's tricky because you could see both things happening. You because Star Wars has played a long game before with stuff, especially Mandalorian and stuff. But then they've also have a history of being like, all right, well, we clearly need them to meet again. So we ha- how are we going right. to get him out of here? Um, but it well, is go. Sorry, go ahead, Murray. No, I. It's just. I don't like, yeah, I don't know if that's lazy writing or if there's a method to it because he could also like flames wouldn't have stopped him because he could also just pull Obi-Wan through the flames, like without going through the, he doesn't have to extinguish him. Like for the force will go through the flames. It's not right, like right. that's a, um, right. Chris, uh, you know, you use the phrase lazy writing, which I have to admit, like I have a bit of a visceral reaction to, I don't <laughs> quite sure. I don't, I mean, I don't quite, uh, like that phrase, but I don't really have a better one to replace it. So, so or I'll maybe just, lazy I'll just, I'll just storytelling or something like. I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even say lazy. I would say that in in my mind that it's one of those things. I think when you, as a writer, when you write yourself into a corner, and this is something that I mentioned about the good place uh, mm-hmm. at several junctures in um in uh, Secret Origins of Main Condition, when you write yourself into a corner, I think you need to be able to write yourself out of said corner. And I think that um. You know, you were the one who got the story there. You're the one who got yourself there. Um, I don't think that there's not a way out. It's just I, I when you set up that situation, for me, it's kind of like uh, I feel like the responsibility is on your shoulders. And sometimes I I, I, I want to see a more elegant, I think, solution. So maybe it's not a lazy thing. It's that the writing felt kind of clunky to me. Like if on the nose and case. cliche. Yeah. Yeah. A little well, bit well, like. You know, it might not even necessarily be the writing. Like I could see, you know, in the script, it says it says something like the fire reignites and Vader and Obi-Wan are separated uh, uh, by a a wall of fire or like a chasm of flame. You know, you imagine one thing in your head uh, and then you see the realization of it. And it's like the the wall of flame you got looks pretty walk throughable and you're like yeah, uh, yeah. that's not exactly yeah. what i had in mind when i wrote that yeah. so, oh, no. so and, that, and, and you're right that makes sense yeah i mean so, i've had things where i've written like a short script and then we go to film it and i'm just like oh fuck i was only thinking about like three specific shots there's like so much filler that i need in between like sure. The, sure. the the storyboards i have in my mind no and i've done that yeah. with stage for sure there's certain images on my in my mind uh, as a playwright that I'm like, this is how I envision it. And it's like, nope, that's, uh, yep, I can see how, how uh, you'd interpret it this way oh. instead of that way. Murray, I think you mentioned that you can see the years on Obi-Wan's face. And not just the mm-hmm. years, but like the the stress and... Um, yeah, the weight of everything, yeah. Yeah, um, I think this is the most human that we've ever seen Obi-Wan. Yes. You know, you really get the sense that he's terrified and he's mm-hmm. um, he's desperate. And one of the things that really struck me when I watched this episode a second time was the degree to which he he doesn't believe that anyone is capable of doing good anymore. Yeah. The whole reason the yeah. whole reason they were captured mm-hmm. was because he shows up to the meeting place and almost immediately he decides, oh, well, he must have been lying. Nobody's coming. Yep. Yeah. Had he waited <laughs> a little longer, then yeah. they wouldn't have gotten on the truck. They wouldn't have shot all those stormtroopers. The um the Tala character, I believe is her name. Oh. She um she wouldn't have had to blow her cover by shooting those 
stormtroopers. Yeah. And it's all because he was so quick to presume that Kumail Nanjiani had lied. Then again, even later, when they're in sort of the um the bunker, the hideaway, he asks her, like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, why are you risking mm-hmm. your life? He can't even conceive why somebody would be helping them. Right. Like, like, I really think through the experience of this show, we're going to see him rediscover his faith in people or go through something, realize something, see something that makes him rededicate, redevote himself to the mission and gives him a degree of peace and purpose, I guess, to borrow a phrase from The Last Jedi, because, you know, when we see him again in Star Wars he's light years away from the man that we're seeing and, right here. I mean, like I get it. And they, they do have a hint towards it that how lost he is because they, um, you know, like uh, Josh, you always say that like retcon's not a, a bad word, especially when it's done right. And so it's like, I do, I don't think that they're retconning metachlorians. I just think that they are just not, they're getting away from any sort of emphasis on it. And that's why they're going back to like almost the mystical stuff. But he describes the the light side of the force as just um like as if you turn on a light when you're scared of the dark and it like helps like you're not as scared anymore but he's clearly struggling with that and like i i get it with all that he's gone through because like i mean like <laughs> this is what i'm famous for right the bible and depression talk so for me when <laughs> i'm in in those when i tend to get very Oh, and it works because Flea was in this. I get very nihilistic when I get like <laughs> depressed. I believe in nothing, Lebowski. But like, no, where I just get like to be like nothing. Like, what does it matter? Nothing matter. Like, it's just um very Anton Chigurh. Like, you know, you followed all these principles and it just got you to the other side of my shotgun. So like, what good is it? Like, that's that's where I go. And it's like a constant struggle to not do it. And it's something we touched on in the Empire Strikes Back episode in which the way that Yoda describes the force, there's a very thin line between like nihilism and you're a part of everything. You know, it's like, no, you're a part of the trees and the dirt. Cause we're all made of this crude matter. But then it's also like, well, no, we're just, these people are rocks. Who gives a fuck? They're like, you know, they're grains of sand. Like, and so that, that, vert that razor thin line that um obi-wan's on now between like is is the crude matter like why everything's important or is it just like there's no good in anybody and everybody that i ever trusted is dead and the other people like overthrew the senate and (laughs) and the empire um came and so um you know that's interesting you're making me think he probably feels abandoned like the force abandoned him he probably feels like sure he really feels like, you know, a man who was not just on the run and in hiding, but also who has lost his faith. Yeah. Um, well, how could he not? Right. Like we're talking about the force being the the thing that makes you feel safe and, and makes you feel better when it's when it's dark that you've turned the light back mm-hmm. on. Um, yeah. And instead, this really this really robbed him. Right. And he feels that way because Anakin was supposed to be the chosen one. All the signs mm-hmm. were there. If his faith was really that strong, I don't think it's that much of a leap to come to the realization of like the force misleading you to the point of ruin where you've lost your family, your adopted family, and you've lost your brother, right? So, and then not only that, but like on a cosmic scale, you've lost too. So like 
how easy is it, I think, to feel betrayed by your faith and go, fuck it. Why, why would I believe in Jesus? Why would I believe in a God who would let this happen? You know, right? hundred so like, percent, yeah. Well, I don't think that Obi-Wan has ever had his faith challenged before, right? No, not that and, I've seen. Yeah. And the way that he talks about, like, even in this episode, he talks about he was taken from his family when he was young and he found a new family in the Jedi. He's never known anything. He's never known this kind of desperation, loneliness, and hardship. And the other thing that really struck me, which you just mentioned, Murray, the way he describes the Force when Leia, she asks him what the Force feels like. And he says, you know, the feeling when you turn the light on in a dark room or something like that. Mm -hmm. That, you know, reframes the light side and the dark side, good and evil, not as a spectrum, but that light and goodness is something you bring, is something you do, yeah. right? And, you know, similarly to one of the reasons why I really respond personally to where we find Luke in The Last Jedi and, you know, one of the lessons that I think we're supposed to get from that movie and that story of Luke is that goodness is not something inherent it's not something that you just are it's something that you you do and you have to work at and you constantly have to rededicate yourself like it's a choice that you have to make over and over again and it's 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 not it's not easy it's not a choice that you make once and then you're done okay you're good it's something that you um it's a practice Yes, it's a practice and it's constantly mm -hmm. challenged and yep. it's not always easy to make that choice every time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that Obi-Wan has ever had to do that in this way before. Well, and yeah, you know, like, props to this, this, uh, this Ewan McGregor fellow, he might be going somewhere. He might be looking <laughs> one Alice acting thing. He's, um, he's fucking phenomenal in this. He, he really is. is. And he's the moment, the moment when he describes the force to me, it felt as though he was doing it reluctantly because mm -hmm. it's to talk about it must be incredibly painful if that's not how you feel anymore, right? Especially if you don't believe it. Yeah, 100%. So if you're if you're feeling, if you have this acute sense of loss, this was, was a thing that you you had and have no longer, um, man, that's that's got to be a really difficult thing to talk about. And so that moment, I think, I mean, he's got a lot of them. Ewan McGregor's got a lot of those moments in this show of, of like you said, this is the most human we've seen. I might have to go back and rewatch um Clone Wars, the the series, to see if he has those moments of doubt. But I don't remember him having really doubt. I remember Yoda, Anakin, and Ahsoka all having doubt, uh, and some of the clones too, but not so much Obi-Wan. Like you both said, I think it's a great point. This is the first time we're seeing him challenged. That moment where he has to, where he feels the need to describe it, I think he wholeheartedly means that that was how he felt. felt and to have not that how taken he away feels. is, yep. and have it replaced by darkness has got to be such an insanely painful thing so so props to this and this i think it's pronounced you and mcgregor fellow that i think <laughs> really he could really make go of this acting thing and it's it really like is amplified with how scared he is when he sees vader and oh yeah for fight. sure for so sure when he looks so when he, human yep and when he's talking about he's telling her like no it, it's you're just not afraid like you know you you're almost like it makes you not scared and then we see that he's very much scared. He's very far from the, oh, hello there, or whatever, you know, like, uh, hello there. Yeah, where he, yeah, just, where like, he says, pops to, where he says to like, Grievous. Yeah, no, 100% you're right, and it contrasts so nicely with, because, again, I think from, from the way that we see Vader armor up 
from the way that we see him, uh, the the way the camera lingers on him, especially from below as he's looking through yeah. the fire and watching Obi-Wan. Mm. That universal monster feel to him con contrasts. And I think, again, I think we'll see some some of Anakin and not just Vader. But that, that yeah, universal why monster, you... the inhuman nature of it contrasts so nicely to to really emphasize Obi-Wan's humanity uh, in this series. So I'm, I'm right there with both of you. Yeah, there's no reason to cast Hayden Christensen if he's just going to be in the Vader suit with James right. Earl Jones' voice the whole time. Right, but like, exactly. The the interesting thing, too, about uh, Obi-Wan is um, uh, the character and the show, too. But, like, is as we we're saying, like, we've we've never seen him that I know of. I haven't seen the cartoons, but we've never really seen him fail. Even when he dies, he's succeeding, right? And so, like, all of this is everything he's never felt before he's feeling all at once and for like 10 years you know like i i when josh when you're talking about like how doing good is something that you you just do and you have to keep doing and of course we're gonna fail but you know uh speaking to to the playwright chris like samuel beckett has that great quote where he said fail again fail better right, right. And so like and that's what it comes down to with like doing good and trying your best is like you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like it just when you when you fail, just all right. Well, you're gonna fail again, but you'll be better at it and and everything. And Obi Wan's never had that. He's never he's he had doubt saying like I'm not ready. And then the whole Jedi Council is like bullshit. You're ready. Like who cares? Like you're you're good. You're like you know he's never even had like time to sit in his. Well, doubt he, didn't even, he didn't even have that doubt because what happens is it's it's Qui Gon who says to the Jedi Council. You know, uh, it's Yoda who says to Qui Gon, you know, oh, and he says, even, I am ready, right? He's not, yes, right. He says, I am ready. I'm ready, oh, I'm ready for the trials. Yeah. So, right. Oh, you know, yeah, it was so, interesting, yeah. Chris, because uh, you brought this up in the last episode because they do show that moment in the prequel recap at the beginning of the first part. Yeah, they of do. The show. And, you know, and you mentioned, you know, maybe he wasn't ready for the trials. And I feel like this is his trial. This is his trial. No, that's a great point. Yeah. I hadn't really considered that, but you're absolutely right. This is. This is his trial, right? Because his responsibility yeah. is is not just Luke, but his responsibility was Leia too. It's just that they were delegated, right? Like Leia was supposed to go with yeah. with Bail, and so he was going to be responsible for Luke. But but technically, yeah. both children were his responsibility. Obi Wan actually is strengthening uh, specifically strengthening the Last Jedi for me. So Josh, you'll love to hear that. But like you know, because <laughs> I it, love to hear every, it too. I'm, I'm right yeah, there. every like um you know with um leia like mary poppins like out in space like the fact that she's force sent like if if you just get the idea that she's force sensitive it still plays and it strengthens that moment because you're like oh fuck remember when she was a kid she had like all this like good intuition so like i well, like also uh, i you know for all those people who complain about leia being space mary poppins it's like yeah luke's done a lot of wacky stuff too and you were fine yeah. with it in no. like you you need to you need yeah. to calm your horses there no, real Real quick tangent. I literally think the only thing wrong with that scene that didn't sell it is it was hyper realistic in the fact that like space is a vacuum. So like nothing's moving. So it just looked like bad CGI, like motion mm. graphics. Like if they would have given some sort of atmosphere that like ripple rippled her like clothing, like it would not be like realistic. Well, that's interesting. But, yeah. Like it would have like sold that moment more, I think. You said something that just made me think of this, how Leia is a Force-sensitive child. The Indira Varma character, I think her name is Tala. The, um, that sounds uh, the right. Cover. Yeah. That sounds she, right. Um, when they're in the safe house and she's telling Obi-Wan, a lot of people have come through here and she's explaining to Leia about 
how the Empire is not only hunting Jedi, they're hunting everyone who's force sensitive and and even children. And they just disappear and nobody right. sees them again. I have to wonder if that has something to do with Grogu, whatever he's a part of in The Mandalorian, jumping shows for a second. Oh, uh, but, uh, but, why they're hunting you know, him. Yeah, you know, like when we're... F- uh, when we find Grogu at the beginning of The Mandalorian, it seems like he's a part of some kind of imperial science program. I get the impression that they're trying to figure out how to replicate either midichlorians or force s- sensitivity so that they can clone right. it. Right. Almost like, yeah, it makes super, tr- like super uh, soldiers out of it. What, yeah. The the interesting thing, not to, I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the. No, go ahead. It, definitely the light and dark side are two sides of the same coin right because obi-wan is like no they took me away when i was when i was a kid and yeah he went to the jedi temple and he like studied and stuff like that but if the dark side's stealing kids for whatever from their family like well i mean how different is it yeah yeah exactly the intention is is different but from the kid's point of view it's not really that that different unless of course the other kids are getting like experimented on like in like yeah. stranger things fashion but like it's, well, it also um, depends on who's who why who's grabbing them right because that's mm-hmm. just it is we don't know what's imperial sanctioned what isn't like i assume vader doesn't know everything he certainly doesn't know what the emperor is hiding from him so you know who knows what's going on so there, there's an element too of like uh yeah how much dark web stuff are we looking at here so let's talk about What's the name of the mining planet? It's uh, Mapuzo or something like that. Mapuzo. Oh, you know, is that the name of the planet? Something. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, something that I really liked about this sequence where Obi Wan and Leia are traveling alone, and then they end up uh, they end up hitchhiking, and Obi Wan is describing what the planet used to be like. Yeah. Uh, before the Empire showed up, and I think even. Um, Riva, when she's describing the planet, she's like, it's a standard strip operation. That combined with what we see of Jetta in Rogue One really contributes to something that I've really appreciated about the Disney era. You know, you really get a sense of the material reality, the material stakes for what life is like under the Empire for like the average citizen, which is something that we don't really get in the movies beyond like larger than life kind of gestures that over the top evil that, you know, we can't really relate to things like watching a planet blown up by a giant green laser from (laughs) space, seeing these subjugated planets and seeing the living conditions. I really appreciate how we're seeing why life under the empire is so terrible and that brings us to freck the the uh <laughs> the friendly truck driver who gives well, them a lift yeah it's it's very interesting that um that they show also the generation gap in which leia is like isn't the empire good and having been pre-empire um obi-wan like knows what it is but he also knows that there's people still in the system trying to when like but he knows yeah. what it is he's like basically you know the well they didn't have world war ii but it's basically like no these are these are nazis but you still have some good soldiers trying to to you know operation valkyrie or whatever yeah <laughs> um, no it's but, no i mean it's you're to everyone right. and freck like that's not he he's all for it. he's like oh no i like law and order i like uh yeah he said, he said, like he said nothing wrong with a little order yeah. well that's just it right like you don't get the impression he's he is He's very much the kind of person who um, 
when you're looking at, in, in my opinion, when you're looking at things like white privilege, you know, there's a difference between white privilege and white supremacy, right? And just because you mm -hmm. have privilege doesn't necessarily make you <clears throat> a white supremacist, but there are a lot of people who don't identify and wouldn't be identified as white supremacists who say, look, I don't, I don't, that's not okay. That kind of violence isn't okay. I'm just saying that like things need to calm down a little bit around here. Right. Like I feel a little bit mm -hmm. threatened by this. I feel a little, right. Like he's perfectly friendly the whole time, but mm -hmm. he also makes it clear that like, Hey, I found these people that I thought you'd want to check them out. Like, like he also, people, yeah. you know, he also narked on them and, yeah. and all because, you know, and this is something that, that I, I saw a lot here again in the Midwest living in St. Louis during uh, Trump's presidency. There were a lot of people who said, you know what? I don't understand what the big deal is because I haven't seen any, you know, people are talking about the economy and what's happened under him, but like, I got a raise mm -hmm. and it's that kind of like tunnel vision and that kind of personal experience that some people have. And they go, I don't understand why people are bad mouthing him. I got a raise and I got to keep my job for the duration of his presidency. So I don't know what people are complaining about. And that's sort of where we see him, right? Because. All he says is a little bit of order and he's, and he's yep. perfectly friendly the whole time. And this obviously works for him. Strip mine the planet totally yeah. works for him because it's good business. He's doing okay. The stormtroopers are all really nice to him. They all know him by name, right? He gives them rides and yeah. like, he's very, so it worked. This all works for him. The empire works for him. So we yeah. really get to, um, it's interesting because we really get to see privilege, uh, leveraged in this episode, but by the same token, it's, it's. I'm sure there are a lot of people from a lore standpoint that are going, well, the empire hates aliens. That's true. I'm willing well, to start set that part aside. Well, so, but that was actually something that I think was very powerful because I don't think if it were a human, it would really hit home in the same way. Oh, sure. Um, I think the fact that he is alien and the empire is very xenophobic, the fact that he has it good or the fact that he's personally not on the receiving end of the worst of the empire's mm -hmm. xenophobia means what he's willing to to overlook or turn a blind eye to. It's like he said, nothing wrong with a little order contained in the term a little order is a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff like yeah. uh, the genocide yeah. of an entire religious affiliation, right? Yeah. And um, how how uh, much does the common person know about that? Do you know well, what I'm saying? Like he knows that the Jedi are being uh, hunted, right? Well, true. So, but it's like this is where you know to Chris's point, um, in that where things got muddy in our reality, in which you have the people like, oh, it's not that bad. Why is everyone complaining? Like. You know, like I got a raise. Yeah, the this whole planet used to be thriving, but it's stripped. But like, no, it's they're not as bad as everyone's. So, like, you know, they're seeing it just from their exactly. point of he view. A, so exactly. he, he doesn't know. Piece. Yeah, it's not like that. Um, what was that? That British show was like, are we the baddies? Like, you know, he's not thinking that. He's thinking that like yeah. he's helped. No, I'm helping. Like, these are our soldiers. These are you know, um, and I'm helping them, and Absolutely. I support them, and like, so he. From his point of view, he's not doing anything wrong. And if sure, he, if it is a Jedi, then he's like, no, I did something good. Like he would go home and he would be like, hey, I, I found a Jedi. You know, I like help. No, but and that's exactly what I'm talking about. He may not know the specific circumstances of what happened to the Jedi and why. 
but he's also not asking any questions. He doesn't want to know, yeah. right? Right. So he obviously is aware that um, the Jedi are to be hunted, right? He knows that they exist and that they are criminals and the Empire is hunting them down. He assumes like that- terrorists almost. Exactly. Like, yeah. And he's not going to ask any questions. He will accept that at face value, right? Well, and um, I think you're- you're 100% right about that. And I think, Josh, what's interesting, too, because I'm just sitting here thinking that, like, we also don't know how old Freck is, right? That's so true. it's one of those things where it's been 10 years uh, since since the Republic fell and the Empire was forged. Um, and so it's very easy for me to think back to our own experience with September 11th. Uh, and, mm, you know, sure, we were yeah. in high school. We were living on Long Island. So we got to see the smoke and then we smelled it the next day. And. And, you know, we, we, so Murray, we had somebody, uh, who was one of our very good friends at the time who decided to join the army and mm. why was he doing it? He was doing it in the wake of nine 11, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he had, and this is, this is gruesome. So I'm going to say it and, um, you know, it's, it's, he had decided he was going to get a tattoo of a Griffin and for every person he killed, he was going to color in a scale. Oh, Jesus. Okay? Now these are, now these are again, not as an excuse or anything. But as an explanation, there is context, you know, being being teenagers and seeing experiencing our what felt like our first act of war, mm -hmm. it was easy to say for me personally, and I'm not going to speak for anybody else. It was easy to say, go get them. And yeah. that is horrific. It's horrific. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, horrific so, from 20 something years later and having grown right, and right, growing exactly. nuance and, from, and the way context. of the world. Yeah, but, at yep. the, but at the moment, that was what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's like, well, how easy would it be for Freck to have been on one of those planets and gone, they were terrorists. And mm -hmm. now that I'm a little bit older, I can see that the empire put an end to this terrible war. So yeah, we're the good guys. Right. So I, I, I digress just a little bit, but I think it's worth sharing that it's like, I, for me, it's very difficult to not. And I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, when we talked about the younglings in the temple, it's hard for me to not draw parallels with where we are. And that may or may not have been intended. Uh, and I, I don't need to necessarily dig into that. I can only talk about. My I mean, own. listen, yeah. I mean, listen, I think it was absolutely intended. I don't think that it was a mistake that the design of his speeder was very reminiscent of like a pickup truck. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. With, yeah. Uh, with like the black flag at the back of it. Yeah. You like, know, which like, you know, by made, the way, like yeah. not for nothing, like, I mean, again, I'm revealing my um some of my stripes here. But that reveal of the Imperial banner on the back of the truck, it's like mm -hmm. if your car broke down and somebody stopped and they had like a Trump bumper sticker on their car. Or like a Punisher right? flag. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, like with, 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 the, with the blue lines right? through it. The, yeah, the, yeah. Trump, the Trump Punisher that we've seen, at least I've yeah. seen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, this was specifically not an Imperial vehicle, right? Like It you know, was, this was a truck. truly homemade flag. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so this was very specifically him. He's a citizen, right? He's mm -hmm. he's just an average, uh, you mole? know, citizen. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, mole. Uh, which, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, by yeah. the way, Wait, I uh, so I'm don't really think... sad that I didn't realize it until you said it just now. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how I didn't pick up on that. But I was saying, who like I like a mole the or a shrew. Yeah, yep. Voiced by Zach Braff, by the way, which I which didn't realize. I thought it was Seth was... Rogen. I like I one hundred. I read that a lot of people instance, thought it was yeah. Seth Rogen. One more yeah. instance, right, of them taking a sort of celebrity cameo, and it works. It doesn't. It's not like oh yeah, sure, it's Zach Braff. Like no, no, no it yeah. totally works in the world. It's just they fit. It was well done. Yeah, it's not Ed Sheeran playing guitar in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like, they went out of their way, like, he's, uh, he's not a member of the Empire. You know, he's not, like, a janitor on the Death Star, right? Like, he's, he's, like, right. he's a guy with a pickup truck. He's a truck. guy that would probably take, like, an illegal firearm to a protest across state lines. Like, that's, like, kind of, like, <laughs> oh, God, what, yeah. What, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just, like, I know that's, like, spot, like, a little no, on no. the nose, but, like, I'm saying, like, that's the type of vibe that I get from him. Like, no, I'm gonna be, like, um, I'm no, helping, you know, like, Ralph Wiggum. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so I think that it is, they are showing in this episode, and again, I really appreciate what this show, how it's depicting what life is like for ordinary citizens in the galaxy under the empire it's like you can choose yeah. like you don't like you don't have to choose to go along with all this stuff yeah because uh, so it is it is easier to overlook it yeah because when we joined the first like the original star wars it's not it, it's not really said or implied but you almost think at least i did because i was young that like the world their world their galaxy consisted of empire and rebels and nothing in between yeah like either yeah. you are like and so the fact that now especially so like a rebel planet now, or in an empire planet so so it's like yeah so there's no such thing as a non-combatant right uh but yeah, like yep. oh but yeah i totally get what you're saying and i'm not saying that this is wrong because i i think that the mainline movies are operating in a slightly different register the movies rely on the aesthetics and the iconography of an evil empire, right? So, mm. so we know we know that the empire are the bad guys because um, they have soldiers in in scary armor, and <laughs> you know Vader wears all black. You can see that they're the bad guys, and they do overtly over the top evil things, like you know they blow up planets <laughs> and they 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 shoot our heroes. They they yeah. shoot our heroes, so we know that they're the bad guys. But they don't really get into the nitty gritty of like why the empire is really evil. That was something I was thinking today when I was watching it for a second time. I was like, at the beginning of the Force Awakens, like Finn is like, I need to get out of the stormtroopers. They're horrible. They're scary. And it's like, well, I, it doesn't ever seem that bad. Like you know, we get the one. Not obviously it's bad, but you know, like it's so played down. It's probably more tort because of technology and stuff like that in the original one. But it's like they just seem kind of like I don't know. They bump their heads and shit like that. Like they, you know, like but um, but for him to be so like shook, like I I need to not be a stormtrooper anymore. I can't do it. Like this episode kind of showed me like oh no, if like I know it's he's not because it's way 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 too early. But it's like if Finn was like a trooper in that village and you're just watching this guy like break people's necks just for like fun. You just like, fuck, like what? All right. Are we the baddies? You know, like, yeah, exactly. Uh, that would, it would register. So it hit me more this time than, um, cause the, I never, I never assign like any sort of emotion to the stormtroopers at all, but that's what like Finn kind of like opened up like, Oh no, they like, there's defectors and stuff like that. But it's like, no, if, if this is if you sign on to be like i'm gonna be in the army um and then all of a sudden you are accompanying inquisitors and they're inquisitors and they're just like killing people and torturing um townspeople to try to lure one person out you're just like you'd have to be like okay i uh oops <laughs> well it, it depends right because it i think i left the oven on it's also been <laughs> like go. it's easy to spin it as well they deserved it because they were hiding him right because yeah. that's that's part of the propaganda machine so um right so i i did i appreciated that we got a little bit more time with the stormtroopers 
uh, as individuals outside of like, close the blast doors, close the blast doors, open the blast doors, yeah, open the blast yeah. doors, you know, like that they're individuals. And Josh, you mentioned this in the last episode, I think, um, with regards to, you know, you get to see this, this clone trooper who's homeless and he's a homeless vet and he's asking for money. And then you get to see the new stormtroopers walking by and yeah. hear them interact as individuals. I, I like that we got more of that in this episode. And then even on the, the, the truck, at, at first I was kind of like, well, if you're looking for Jedis and then there's a stranger on this truck, like once you know, but it's like, no, they are interrogating him. That's why it's like the one slip up that you regard that Obi-Wan has he like jumps on it like he's oh, like I clenched like so yeah so and hard, like yeah. what a way to what a way to take such a cliche like trope and turn it into like such a fucking moment like besides like clenching but you're just like and then he has that like unspoken thing of like i miss your mom like a lot and you're just like her like you're strong you're like into it like you know what i'm saying like it's just like no it was it was it was a really nice way for them to recover in the script while still giving us a nice moment outside of it too. Um, yeah. And also it goes back to what we were talking about again in the last episode where it's like, Obi-Wan is not good at subterfuge like at <laughs> all. Like he has this whole story and like three sentences into the exchange, he goes, Leia. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leia. He called her Leia and he's like, Oh fuck. I could definitely see like if we were going to be like, all right, we're going to go in there and we're going to say that, you know, your name is Bob and my name is, Joe, and then we would get in there and be like, fuck, was I Joe or was I Bob? Like, yeah, exactly. They, really, right. they didn't have time I mean, to rehearse point, it. Yeah. How yeah. long has it been that he's really only spoken to this Jawa Tika? Like, <laughs> how yeah. long has it been that that's been his only Yeah, companion? true. Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny, too, is oh, you just made me think of, you know, they're in the pickup truck or the pickup speed or whatever, and the stormtroopers <laughs> are like, yeah, I know they're looking for a Jedi, and here's like this one random guy. Mm-hmm. It must make it so hard for the Empire and the Inquisitors that, like, the clothing style of the galaxy just happens to be, like, the Jedi uniform because everyone just seems to be wearing <laughs> these, like, robes, you know? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love these moments. Like, yeah. when he gets off the speeder and the probe droid is approaching, I like that he pulls the hood up over his face because yeah. I understand why he does it. But I'm like, no, 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 keep doing that. It makes you look more like a Jedi. Like it just, yeah, it, just, yeah, it, just yeah. it just makes me laugh that as he's trying to cover up his identity, to me, he just looks like more of a Jedi. It kills me. Because he he was always seemingly the one in control, always. Like we we very yeah. rarely see him. I mean, I guess a little bit in um a, a Revenge of the Sith, he gets like knocked out and stuff like that, right? But like um, which is more of just of a plot device than anything else. But he's always the one in, in control. But even when uh, he's knocked out. It's like you never get a sense that he's he's really hurt. Yeah. Right? Yep. And he's like passed uh, out. Then he wakes up like and he's dangling. And, and it's a good joke. Like, and the first thing yeah, he does, yep. the first thing he does, he's like mildly annoyed and like he cracks a joke. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so this is totally unnew territory for him. And then it's just like, I don't know. So I was telling um friend of the podcast, John, that, um <laughs> you know, as like, I'm not pinning them against each other at all because they're both incredible. But like, Mandalorian is great and it's edge of your seat. It's emotional and everything, but like there's something about this show that is resonating with me so much more than Mandalorian. And it's just, I, I think that I like get Obi-Wan. I get that like struggle and that doubt and the, the, like the, of course being a sucker for a depressed hero, but even more than that, that he's just like, so like weathered and beaten down. And it's just like, cause that's how I've been feeling. Like every time you turn on the news or you talk to anybody, that's not like a close friend, you're going to hear some sort of shit that you don't want to hear. 
and everything's just like the worst. And so you just feel like so beaten down. And then, so he's there, he's like crying out, like, come on, like, where are you? Help me. Like you, like you brought me this far, like what, where are you? Like, um, and for 10 years now, I've been told like that you, like 10 years ago, I was told that you were trying to get in touch with me through a, like a force ghost. And I still have yet to make contact with you. So like, you know, um, cause that's at the end of revenge of the Sith. That's when Yoda right. tells yeah, him. Exactly. Right. And so he's just like, so completely lost. And it's so great because, um, like a human, the human struggle of heroes is what makes them great. Like, you know, like we could blame George Lucas or whatever, but like, um, Obi-Wan has always been a very flat character, right? He's, he's, he's just as flat as like a bad guy is, but he's just good, right? There's no anything to him. He's just always like chipper and cheerful and he's always in control. And so I, I always liked Obi-Wan just because he was a Jedi, but now like with this, I like Obi-Wan's like my dude, like I'm kind of like, no, I'm always a Luke Skywalker person, but like this, I don't know, this is getting me like in the feels like Obi-Wan might be like, well, I think My Green, dude. Green Goblin says it in the original Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire when he says people love to see a hero fail, fall, die trying. Like mm -hmm. that's what we're getting to we're getting to see here with Obi-Wan. Like I one of my favorite parts of of like role playing and playing like Dungeons and Dragons is like seeing the fall from grace. Um, you know, I like seeing a character fall from grace and that's what we've seen and um and we continue to see Obi-Wan fall but also struggle against that fall we see him after he's after he's sort of hit rock bottom like he is now struggling to fight his way back to to giving a damn which is it's it's tough to watch but it's also encouraging to see paraphrasing um david mamet what he's talking about the the hero's journey is he's saying he, he uses religious imagery so i was like right on board but he's like you know when like people think that Moses's hero's journey is leading the people out of Egypt, but he goes, no, his hero's journey is he's up on the mountain with God, like as face to face as you can be safe and stuff. And then he's got to leave that to go back down to the people where they're like making a golden calf. And they're just like, um, um, just like turning away. And then he talks about like, um, Jesus in the garden, like his, his hero's journey is leaving the safety of the garden and mm. having to face what's coming. And so like, that's where this show is really getting me is it's like it, this is much more of Obi-Wan's like hero's journey than we've ever seen before, because even though he's like depressed out of his mind, he's like, he's, he's almost like even blocking out some of the stuff that's struggling um, with like, because he doesn't ever have to, he doesn't have to deal with it. And he just goes to his cave, tries to talk, you know, and then he goes to work and then just talks to a Jawa and repeats. Like he, yeah, of course it's the worst thing for a depressed person. Like you said last episode, but he's not like wrestling with this stuff. And now he's right. got a girl so, asking questions and to the point in this episode, when he's in the safe house and he's learning for the first time that there are a bunch of other Jedi out there and mm. there is like this, like, I don't know if thriving is the right word, but there is a, this underground that they call it the path. I think she says, and even one of his old comrades, Quinlan Voss, who, who mm. I, I know, I think is in the Clone Wars cartoon show. Is that correct, Chris? Or yeah. 
Yeah. So he had no idea that all of this was going on. So the degree to which he has completely closed himself off from mm-hmm. from everything that's going on, like he he's just really, I think, shutting everything out. And obviously some of that is is out of necessity. He has a job. It's yeah. to watch over Luke and protect him. And he's supposed to stay uh, to stay on Tatooine. But I also think he's closing himself off more than is necessary to do that. And it reminds me of something you said earlier, Murray, about how when he's meditating, like you can see he's 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 fidgeting and he's very agitated and, you know, he's calling for Qui-Gon and not getting an answer. And you said he's getting in his own way. I have to wonder if when we eventually do hear from Qui-Gon, which I'm presuming we will in the next three hours of the show, that that, that, why else would we be why else would we be seeing this? And also, how would. Obi-Wan know you if you strike me down I'll become more powerful than Exactly exactly imagine. so so yeah. so we know that he does eventually get in touch with Qui-Gon <laughs> yeah. and um he receives this training that Yoda told him to get from Qui-Gon <laughs> uh, but I have to wonder if part of the reason why he's not hearing from Qui-Gon is because he is so closed off he is so much in his own way and again i don't think he has ever had to deal with something like this yeah. before so well, i don't think he's equipped to pull himself out of the depression or the yeah. the rut and if we are to trust what the jedi say even though they're always telling people to search their feelings and their emotions but they're saying like emotions are bad like um feeling <laughs> feelings are bad all this stuff and so if obi-wan is maybe he's not closer to the dark side at this point, but he's certainly further from the light side because he's also just in a, like a cave feeling like a ton of emotions that he's always blocked out his whole life. He's like, you know, sad, alone, depressed stuff that, you know, probably angry too. And like, I could imagine him getting angry if Yoda is like, Oh, I talk to your master. And he says like, uh, he wants to talk to you and you're like, motherfucker, you're talking to this guy. But I was your like apprentice, like, and you're not, it's 10 years and you're not talking to him. So it's like, he's going to be dealing with all these like emotions that are, if they're not bringing him closer to, to the dark side, it's certainly, he's not nearly as close to the light side. He's not feeling that fearlessness, you know what I'm saying? That the light side's supposed to give. And so, um, yeah, it's really a struggle for him. And that's why I'm just like, man, I love this. Fucking well, show. it's a nice <laughs> contrast too. that. I mean, I think from a, from a show standpoint that, that Obi-Wan is mostly all alone and cut off from the force and Vader is at the height of his powers and has yep. no shortage of lackeys between the stormtroopers and the inquisitors and whatever is going on between him and Reva. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there is no lack of resources for Vader. So I really and like seeing the the juxtaposition of the of the two of them, one with everything and one with basically nothing. And you see that uh, again back at, with the fight scene is like Obi Wan's scared. He's way overpowered. There's one point he's like almost holding his lightsaber like backwards. I think he got himself twisted up, and then he's got to like fix his hands. And I don't know if that was intentional, if that was just something that happened in the choreography. But it's like. Now you're coming, you you haven't fired, the, it's been buried for 10 years, you haven't fired it up, and you're truly, you you don't trust your instincts to do, like to deflect and dodge like you used to, like, so you're using a blaster, you're, you're, you're running and you're hiding, and then when you're fighting this, this person that you once beat and once taught, he's, like, just, like, mollywhopping you with one hand, like, it's just, like, 
and he's getting rocked and it's just and he's like he's sweating and he's scared and you're just like this is such a good yeah like just juxtaposition from what you would think with the light side and the dark side and it's um with reva i think that's her name right reva Mm -hmm. um it's interesting because she's so devoted and we see this uh, time and time again with vader but she's so devoted to him but like he doesn't care about her in the slightest because like he was clearly close to the Inquisitor, which I'm still sure is alive. But like, but there, she's like, he'll pay for the Inquisitor. And, and Vader's like, I don't, like, basically, like, I don't give a shit about him. Like, now you go do what he was supposed to do. Like, you know, like everybody's expendable to him. If like, and it's just like chess pieces, you know, to him. Um, and he just, he doesn't care how, who's got to sacrifice. He's not close to anybody. He has no compassion or love or like you know, anything like that. So it's just, everybody's just a pawn. You know, one of the things that I feel like the show is on its way to doing for me, and I was thinking about this when, I think early on in the episode, I think that Obi-Wan had some visions of Anakin in his robes kind of in the distance. Am I right? Yes. That's what that was? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time he kind of gets like rocked, which almost seems like a panic attack. Um, since yeah. Vader's oh, yeah. not there. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, kind of, totally. No, yeah, kind of a little bit, especially with uh, the camera work. It's sort of like, yeah, yep. It starts to go off like yeah. a little bit. Yeah, my, yeah, first, yep. my first thought was that he, the, the tunnel had been opened and he was exposed to the, like, the, uh, the remnant emotions of so many people who had passed through here that he was overwhelmed oh, sure. by it. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, okay, that feels like a really heavy reaction to, oh, nope, it's Vader. That's why. It's Vader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But one of the things I feel like this show is on its way to doing for me, and this is something that I mentioned, Chris, on the Secret Origins episode about Vader that we did a few weeks ago. One of my issues with Vader is that the way he ended up depicted in the movies, he's sort of really a composite character. You never really get to identify him with one human face, right? Uh, because yeah, like, no, no, no. You, you absolutely yeah. and, and uh, exquisitely uh, had some discourse <laughs> on that, yeah. Oh, oh, well, thanks. I appreciate that. No, no, but, everybody um, listen to that episode. Yeah, so go on. But uh, one of the things that I think this show, I think, is starting to do, and if what I suspect we're going to see comes to pass, I feel like the show is going to make me see Hayden Christensen under the suit more, rather than always having that distinction in my head between Vader in the suit and Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker. I feel like... This is bridging the gap for me in a way, showing me something that that I didn't know that I needed to see. I frankly didn't think was really possible that there was a Vader story that I could see that would make the character work in the way I think he was intended to work. And it really does blow my mind that they weren't sure whether or not to bring Vader to put him in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, now seeing it, this just seems like a story that that needed to be told, right? Yeah, and it's it's not like maybe there's room that it could prove me wrong and disappoint me a little bit, but it's not like Winky. Like you're not seeing him walking around Tatooine, like learning that's like Sam people scare uh, easily and return. You know, there's no like Winky. Like everything else is so like winky and not it would with the exception of uh the mandalorian because that show is just so good but like so much of stuff is just like like especially with boba fett was just like references it's like we get it we get it. it's the same universe. like but this is like not really doing that it's just like nope this is follow this story this is 
No, and it's know. really it's, about it's really about the characters as well. It's like yeah. it doesn't need the winking references because what we're seeing this this moment in these characters' lives meeting again after the events of episode three is like it it just seems so a part of the fabric of what these characters and the story of this whole saga really are about. To have like references all over the place and winking nods and stuff would just be like gilding the the lily. It's like you don't yeah, need yeah. it. Well, that's what that's what like the Fantastic Beast movies are now. Like it's just like everything's a wink to like Harry Potter. It's like we get it. <laughs> like that's yeah. why we're here. Like you're not what are you doing? Like it's not like a, a surprise. But one interesting character thing that uh I want to bring up for Obi-Wan that's gotta be like killing him is so you think that you killed your brother because he turned to the dark side, or you're someone that's as close as a brother. And then you learn he's alive. So you're like, oh, my God, I, he's not dead. But then when you encounter him, the only thing you could be thinking is, fuck, I wish I killed him. Like, he's just yeah. killing everybody. He's breaking people's necks just to get, like, see, to me. See like, that, yeah, see, that was something else also. We were talking about how terrified he looked. And obviously, he was, he was very frightened. Uh, mm -hmm. But something else that I think he was also feeling was a, like, mixture of, like, horror Mm -hmm. at what he was seeing his brother do yeah right yep. and it's just like and so it's got to be that like i never wanted to kill him it's been haunting me but now i'm wondering if i should have and then like the fact that like so much of vader's life now seems to be spite because he's he goes i became i am what you made me right so it's of course it's no nothing no self-reflection on himself or palpatine it's i am what you made me thinking that like that Obi-Wan's talking about the physical manifestation, like, you know, like, oh, you're wearing black and have robot legs. Like, no, like he's talking about like, what have you become? Like, who are you? Like, and, and Vader even says, you should have killed me when you have the chance. So that is just saying too, like, oh no, I'm a rabid dog and I'm aware of that fact. And I'm going to like do stuff to make you wish that you killed me. <laughs> like, like, yeah. fuck, like that's, that's brutal. It's, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. And I think um, that's why it's, you know, you said earlier, Murray, I think that's why it's resonating with you because, you know, and in another way, I think the Mandalorian is supposed to be a little more fun. Yeah. I don't like know that this show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This show doesn't have a light touch. No, uh, you know, and it's and it shouldn't like there's a, a funny story again with John when he was reading, um, I think it was the fifth Harry Potter book and they're forming Dumbledore's army and people are fighting and like people are dying. And then they just at towards the end when before they go to the battle, they introduce like a uh, Hagrid's brother and he's this big giant thing. And John said that he just started screaming when he was reading the book because it's it's building up all this tension and there shouldn't be any more jokes left. And then like, here's a goofy like a uh, character. And it just like completely killed the vibe. And this show is thankfully not doing that. It's letting the serious moments be, be good. And any lighthearted type thing, like, Oh, here's a cool alien. But like it, there might be some light like tension and stuff, but it's still not like funny. This is yeah serious stuff. Yeah. So do we have any uh, closing thoughts or predictions for what's to come? Well, I mean, I think that um, my my thing I kind of said was that um, Qui-Gon like, ha like has to show, which I'm sure it, like it would be very impressive to me as um, 
a, a writer slash wannabe writer at that if they just let it be like no he just can't get in touch with them <laughs> like he just he can like he fails at this too but it would be too much of a letdown they wouldn't do but like i my revelation was i was thinking of well there was two things i was thinking of how he learns about like being more powerful like if you strike me down i'll become more powerful than you could ever imagine like he would only be able to learn that from from qui-gon because apparently from the the idea of force ghosts it makes it sound like qui-gon's the first person to figure that out you know like um because it hits like you mcgregor so hard as if he's never even heard the concept before because by the time you know um return the the jedi happens luke's just like being like oh i'm gonna see my dad and yoda and everybody like that's just what they do you know like they just die and come back as force ghosts but and the other thing um so i think qui-gon will will be there but i think the way he reaches qui-gon is he read the that note from his friend that said um when you close your eyes like basically kind of like you'll see the path or something like that basically it was only when your eyes are closed can you truly see yeah exactly so that's i think is his like nod to he's gonna learn to like calm his mind and that's that's really what's gonna happen you'll stop being in his uh own way and just really quick and then i'll shut up one quick question that that secret hallway did it have multiple exits because how did um reva and um, leia come to yeah i I think it must or or though the um the woman from game of thrones the sand snake um they, they didn't cross paths when she, when reva was entering the hallway and she was leaving the hallway to go rescue obi-wan so there had to be a, a other there had, yeah paths, there had to I be guess, multiple right? ways to yeah. go through there but that's the kind of stuff that as long as it feels right um it doesn't really bother me yeah i just it, overlooked it too i was like yeah i don't care <laughs> like but it did strike me but nothing to yeah. prune anything no but i get what you're saying yeah uh, what about you chris any closing thoughts yeah, uh, I'm pissed off about this racist bullshit that Moses Ingram is going through. Preach um, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just, it's, it's just, disgusting. it's, we keep saying things like there's no place for that in Star Wars, but mm-hmm. unfortunately there is, there is a place for that in Star Wars because it's called the we fandom. keep seeing it, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's, it's one of those things where it just, it just keeps happening. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of a response I'm necessarily looking for. I know the Star Wars Twitter account said, uh, quote, we're proud to welcome Moses Ingram to the Star Wars family and excited for Reva's story to unfold. If anyone intends to make her feel in any way unwelcome, we have only one thing to say. We resist, end quote, which sounds nice, but also this keeps happening. So, like, no, like I don't know what kind of response I'm looking for, but but it just it just pisses me off that this notion of, you know, we can be in outer space, we can have aliens, there can be a magic force, but God forbid we, we have black people, a yeah. culture and have black people in any sort of role um if you want to criticize her acting honestly i'm not i, I haven't seen a lot to indicate that I, I like her as an actor so far so if that's the kind of professional criticism you want to level fine if it doesn't jive with you her style that's fine but stop just stop being a shithead stop being a racist shithead and that's and that's what i have to offer the thing is if you talk to any of these racist shitheads they'll not they'll not they'll deny that they're racist and they'll but they'll, you'll find them saying things like uh, you like how I'm, I'm classifying them um meaning all racists are assholes but so yeah. but they'll say things like um oh no i'm not racist it's just like i'm tired of this world culture and 
yep. like people getting the role just because or it should go to the best person and you just want to be like no but don't you see that the fact that you saw like a black woman in a tv show and your first instinct was she's not the best person for the job but like that's the, where the problem lies right like she she very much probably like was the person for like the right person for the job and like you know right. like the, and, and even if she wasn't we've seen bad casting before yeah, with white that, people. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like with white you know, men. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, one of the things as well. You and McGregor recorded a video message that I think. Oh um, yeah, I was, heard about that, but I didn't see it yet. Yeah, uh, he very forcefully, in no uncertain terms, said that if you engage in this kind of behavior, like he doesn't consider you a Star Wars fan, and it's uh, disgusting and abhorrent and all that stuff. Good. And the Star Wars Twitter account and Instagram account posted it. So I mean, yeah, it's really sad. I don't know what more Disney and Lucasfilm could no, me neither. do. I do think they have internalized some kind of a lesson from what happened with Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega, because I was heartened somewhat to see how quickly the official accounts stepped in and addressed they it. They did. No they jumped on that mask. You're right. And it's, and there's, uh, you know, but so there's, that's something. There's but, something I mean, weird too, because like, did Billy D. Williams or uh, Donald Glover, did they receive any fallout? Like, what is it? Well, so this is the thing. So, so I mean, Donald Glover, I think because he was a known quantity already, like mm -hmm. there's uh, there's sort of a, um, you know, fame and success, I think, shields you, uh, you know, a little. I well, think. then Lando is canonically black and was never well, a leader. Too so yeah yeah I mean like there was never I mean there wasn't social media in the the um, right nineteen eighty mm. so so I mean so people so, could so have been and, saying the same thing about him yeah no I mean they could have the other thing too is that nineteen eighty is only three years out from Star Wars I don't think it was the sacred thing in culture and even like nerd culture and fandom certainly Star Wars fandom looked very different than. Yeah, and it wasn't cool. We were like, uh, that's true. Yeah, and also, yeah, yeah and also, yeah. you know, I think social media has done something where you feel like you can say things without consequence. Yeah, um, and call yeah. it freedom of speech, <laughs> and, and call yeah. it freedom of speech, and this idea that because like you don't see the person that you're saying it to, mm. and because of the anonymity, you don't really comprehend that your words may have consequences or whatever. Mm. And, you know, and this isn't to excuse it at all. You know, no, it's just it's explaining, um, not excusing. Yeah it's, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of an explanation. And then, of course, the last five or six years, the social consequences of expressing racism have perversely not only lessened, but in mm -hmm. some circles, you're rewarded for it. And invited to speak at like conventions and stuff. But yeah, so the, the, the thing that drives you crazy, and uh, I know I'm in, you know, like minds here but it's like if you took the same actress doing the same exact performance but you painted her blue no one would give a shit you know what i'm right. saying like or yeah. where you gave right. her like that like that skin she's skin, a, skin breeds yeah. like as long uh, as she's an alien and, fine yeah. but if she's gonna be like a black human then it's not okay yeah, yeah, well, like also something a... else, though, you brought up the examples of Donald Glover and Billy D. Williams. I think another thing that we can't separate out is that it's not just that she's black. It's also that she's a woman. Yeah. Um, sure. And I've been seeing a lot on my social feeds about criticism of the character of Riva that's not overtly racist or sexist, but that I can't help 
but think, you know, look, the traits that she is displaying in the show, the impulsiveness, the arrogance, the not uh, listening uh, to anyone, you know, thinking she knows better than her leaders. That's Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And, and that's also uh, traits of the Sith. So yeah. I can't help but feel like if Reva was a straight white guy, the character wouldn't be receiving anywhere and, near the same criticism. It just like really feels like the reasons that I'm reading why people either object to the character or even the portrayal of the character. And this is just my opinion, but I don't think you can separate it from the fact that she's a black woman because... Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, that's essentially exactly the behavior of Anakin Skywalker. And, and arguably, Anakin Skywalker is even worse. Yeah, he kills kids, but no, he's he's cool. Um, but the thing is that, like, to kind of say, like, uh, piggyback off of that is that Star what it, some Star Wars fans don't seem to get also is, like, if you don't like a character maybe it's because the character is supposed to be unlikable. Like she's not supposed to be a fucking good person. If Like if she has a yeah, turn, but see, but that'd be great. See, but that's the thing though. There are ways that, you know, villains are lionized for their evilness and female like characters White, are. Yes, exactly. Walter White, uh, Scarface, you know, all yes. like, uh, right, exactly. If you were to have a, a woman, especially a woman of color, play a character that, did and said all the exact same things as a Scarface or a Walter mm -hmm. White, I think you would be hearing the exact same yeah, arguments yeah. about why they they just don't like the character, right? Yeah, well, I think it's because they have a hard time when it's not a face that they identify with. I think they see the character more for what they are, and they're not able yeah. to relate or, you know, give to them the like, benefit of the yeah, doubt. And because also, like, Vader, it's it's hard because Vader is he's cool and you you want to play as him in video games and just you know and you want to collect all his pez dispensers or whatever like but he's not like a good guy but like you were saying he kind of falls into that thing where people like him and i think that there is a struggle that's why people they fucking love um the joaquin phoenix joker they like idolize him then right. like Exactly. Travis Pickle and and all these people and like Jake LaMotta. It's like, no, you guys are missing the point. You're not supposed to like them. It's okay. Like, you're not supposed to like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Like, yeah, he's funny and he's semi-likable, but you're not supposed to like him. The only difference is you go like, oh, man, I don't. He's kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't really like him. You never go not only fuck Joe Pesci, but fuck all Italians. Fuck, you know, like you don't ever break it down that much if you don't like the character you just like you don't maybe you don't like the movie or or whatever but like you don't ever take it out of the context of the movie or the show like they do in star wars when it's well just and like, i think this is where we start getting into that toxic sort of ownership i see it in sports a lot yeah so fans of a sports team that you know sometimes a team wins a championship and the 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 fans burn down their city because they riot and then sometimes yeah. that same team loses the championship and they burn down their city because they riot. Yeah. Like it's that ridiculous that 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 it's a double edged sword of it's nice to feel like we belong. It's nice to be part of a fandom. It's nice to feel like I get to share in the success of this thing that I love. But there's a dark side to it, too. And you have to be able to acknowledge that uh, that there's a dark side to it. And if you don't, we end up with what we're seeing. So, um, yeah, so. I, yeah, you know, there's just there's there's a lot there's a lot of this 
to dig up. And I think some of it's worth discussing. And some of it, I think, isn't worth discussing because some of these assholes don't deserve the the airtime. Right? <laughs> yeah, um, yep. but, I, but I appreciate what you both are saying, because, again, like, I think it's important to to try and dissect it because there's because we say things like there's no place for racism in Star Wars, mm-hmm. except there is. So what we need to do is we need to shut down those safe spaces for racism. I yeah, that's it. a very good way to put it. Yeah. Like make it like not safe, like to be a racist asshole. Like, I don't know. It's everyone's yeah, way uh, too comfortable now. Like, yeah, I mean, make racism bad again. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that, yeah. that's, yeah, that's my insight. <laughs> Yeah, um, make racism bad again. That's a yeah. Well, can we make a fucking like a uh, trash compactor like merch that's like uh, trash compactor make, make racism <laughs> make racism bad again? Put, put racism where it, put where it belongs in the trash yeah. compactor. In the hey, trash compactor. there we yeah. go. Um. Well, I am. I feel like the next three weeks are going to be very interesting and satisfying. Give me more Jimmy you think words, that there's gonna be what I'm seeing so far. <laughs> you, well, I I wonder if it's gonna end like if maybe episode uh part five she'll be reunited and then there'll be like a part six uh they yeah, well, to sound like an asshole. Well, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Obi-Wan and Vader are going to meet and fight again, right? Well, I don't that's, think that that's tricky last... because no one could win or lose that fight unless it's well, so but, well, and well, and they would have to walk away technically um, if you're if I'm going to be that asshole with Vader being the learner and Obi-Wan well, yeah, no, no. His, so yeah. so but that's exactly why I think that they have to face each other again, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that Obi-Wan through some insight, some experience where he learned something, he he has to school Vader. Yeah. Right. And he'll learn that from Qui-Gon and be able to school vader and then the next time they meet i was but the learner ah love it yeah so i mean that's why i find it very confusing somebody who thinks that that line in new hope is a problem because i have no doubt that they are aware of that line and that was one of the starting points if not the starting point for writing this so so i think we are going to see some encounter where that line will will have make perfect sense yeah well that's the thing with the the as a Star Wars Star Wars fan and shitting constantly on Star Wars fan, but that's where the struggle really is. They they hate every Star Wars fan except for us. <laughs> no, um, only sit still and absolutes. But anyway, like I was saying, every single Star Wars fan that's not us. Um, maybe maybe some sit still and absolutes. Not all. <laughs> but, but like they um get it. They're so. <laughs> I think they, I think we're gonna need some show notes to explain that one. Uh, yeah, sorry. The, um, <laughs> no, but like. They they like hate watch Star Wars. That's their thing. They go like, I love Star Wars. I'm so excited for it. But they're excited to hate watch it because they leave no time for a slow burn. They need leave no time for a reveal. They leave no like they'll be like, oh, the Grand Inquisitor got dead. They broke canon. Kathleen Kennedy's a fucking bitch. Oh, they fought like oh they well they just ruined canon because of that one line. Like they don't allow it to like play out fully before they're just like, I'm a racist idiot you don't know how fans, if you're to listening to this please keep listening i just um <laughs> i have my issues no it's just it's it's hard <laughs> it's really hard to be a creator and it's easy to decide that you could be a creator until you try to be a creator right it's one exactly. of the things yeah. that really saw yeah, during yeah. the pandemic which is why i respect what josh is saying about 
you know, the reaction to the phrase that I'm not going to repeat about writing, because it's one of those things where during the pandemic, we saw it, you know, yes, we had first responders who saved us, teachers, people who are working in the grocery store, like, yes, all super important. And artists got love for a minute, for a minute, but there's still this notion of artists get paid too much. That's a thing I can do, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and until we really start acknowledging that this is what gets us through the tough times is, is art because this is a part of what makes us human. We continue to think it's easy to be a creator. I could have written that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well then go and do it. But I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's not, it's not nearly yeah. as easy as you, as you think it is, especially to work within the confines of something that's already been created when you're following somebody else's footsteps, you know, it's not so easy to create as you think it is. No, not Very at all. Very well said. Yeah. And we should end it on that note because it's so well said. Thank you, Chris and Murray. If you liked what you heard, please visit us at trashcompod.com, trashcompod on Instagram, and trashcompod1 on Twitter for reasons <laughs> that I'm not going to get into right now. <laughs> and um, please rate and review us, and we will see you next week for part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm.